0: Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast, brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the Voices of Young People.
1: You know, thank you for your service and for all the, the what you're planning to do, and just for for being so thoughtful.
2: I appreciate that. Thanks for being a taxpayer. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we always say because we, we get that a lot, and we're just like, oh yeah. my god, people are saying thank you for this. We're like, what do we say back? Uh, Thanks uh, for being a taxpayer. <laughs>
1: Everybody, welcome back to season two of the Voices of Young People Podcast at Springtide Research Institute. Whenever we put out uh, you know a new report or a new study, in this case it's a book called Meaning Making, the eight values that drive America's Newest Generations. We always try to couple that with the with this podcast, a new season of the podcast. And in this one, in each episode, we're digging into um, one of those values in particular in each episode and getting getting you a chance to maybe hear some directly from a young person that you might not otherwise get to hear about how these values show up. Um, in their lives and what they look like and I'm really excited today we're going to be talking about inclusion Um, it's one of it's one of the most important chapters of this book that comes through that I think marks these generations you know in a very significant way um, from previous generations and we've got Abdi Malik here who's going to is going to sort of talk about that from his perspective. Abdi Malik, do you want to introduce yourself? Give everybody a sense of maybe
2: you know who you are and where you are. Um, I'm, I'm Abdi Malik, um, and I'm, I'm living in Minnesota right now. I go to um, College of Saint Benedict, Saint John's, and um, I'm studying poli sci. And I'm also in ROTC, and I have one more year left until graduation. One more year. So, here's hoping there's an actual
1: graduation next year. I'm so you get to do so. the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're talking about inclusion. You're in Minnesota. I mean, the natural question here is to to sort of like, have, were you affected by the protests? I mean, not like in terms of like proximity. I mean, um, or personally, like you know, how did how did that how did that all live out for you?
2: I mean, I think when we think about like effect, um, if you were near the locations where you know the protests happened or the small riots, uh, I think that's one way of looking at it. But I feel like the whole state was affected. Because this is something that we've always been talking about continuously, but it's never really gotten to this level. And me and my friend were talking about it, Muhammad, just the other day. And we, we came to the conclusion that this has gotten to this point is because of COVID in a way, because everyone's mm-hmm. now home. And, you know, you don't have these sports or other things to distract you. And you have to see the reality that we're living in that, you know, not everyone is getting uh, represented as well as they could be. And that you don't, there's no distractions anymore. You, you really have to see the pain, the suffering. And I'm really proud of the state of Minnesota and how we handled it. And coming together and everyone speaking up. Um, personally, my family had to relocate to St. Paul for a little bit. Uh, but now, you know, they came back. And um, I'm glad that if anything came from it, a conversation is being had.
1: Certainly is being had. And I, and I think it's really important that, you know, one of the things that we try to do at Springtide is bring this <clears throat> maybe a, a sort of a wider and maybe sometimes even a deeper lens to these issues than what normally gets covered um, in the media or what people might be thinking of just based on stereotypes or their own small like life experiences. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think is clear here is that, these protests, George Floyd, as important as they are, they didn't start the concern about inclusion for young people. Like y'all have been really on this topic for a long time. And this is just the most recent, you know, version of that conversation. So in some ways, this is like, it's like the rest of the world being led into and in some ways forced into a conversation that y'all have been leading, um, you know, for years now. Um, and that shows up in, in our research. So uh, before we dig in or, you know, sort of like get into the numbers or anything like that, I'm I'm just really curious about how, you know, inclusion from your stance, you know, this has been a concern of yours, something that's important to you for a long time. Tell me where that concern comes from and why inclusion is important to you for organizations that you want to associate with.
2: I mean, I think the biggest thing I look at is um, if an organization takes inclusivity very serious, I see myself uh, doing 20 years or even more until you know I, I can't work there anymore, hmm. where if it's looking at like you know, um, they really don't care, they're seeing their bottom profit and your perspective or your values isn't really represented, it, it makes me want to withdraw. And you know well for me, like after college, I feel like I have more of a say of where I work because I, you know I put a lot of hours into this compared to someone who you know is working a minimum wage option. A lot of times they don't really care. But I do see that when companies really take the time and energy, there's a huge um, opportunity for them to keep their employees instead sort of always training new people and actually give back to the community just by giving them a voice. And um, it doesn't require a lot of money, I would say. It's just literally having a conversation and making small tweaks that can really benefit someone's life in a bigger way. It's a really interesting
1: point that you make uh, that I had not yet considered that, Companies giving, you know, a platform to a voice for their employees is a way of giving back to their communities because these are not necessarily people that always get a platform and a voice. Uh, it's a, it's a, such an important angle. It's almost like doing justice and doing service at the same time. I mean, not. I don't want to make it into like every CEO is Gandhi or something, <laughs> but it is like, you know, that you've got a role to play here that is is good for your company and good for your community when it comes to diversity and inclusion. So one of the things that you just mentioned lines up so well with our data um, that I'm I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit more about this. The, The number that stood out most to me when we were doing this research was that 40% 40% of the young people we surveyed said that they would only work for an organization or volunteer for an organization, be associated with an organization, if inclusion was at the top of its priority list. Meaning that like if, if it was anything, if it was an afterthought or attack on or didn't exist, that like you're losing 40% of the talent that's out there who might volunteer for you or work for you or uh, be one of your passionate consumers that tells other people about a product or whatever it is. That, that lines up with what you're talking I mean, you're an ROTC and you're talking about making this 20-year commitment. And, and that's like that has to be at the core is what you're saying if you're gonna sign up for something for that long.
2: Yes. I mean, um, I think when organizations really take that on, as you said, uh, uh, those numbers, when it matters to people, it's huge. You know, 20 years ago, or even like, you know, maybe 15 or five years ago, the Army is much, much different than it is now, where they're willing to listen to you but they have things in place. And I do believe that what time us pushing that limit of you know, what is, uh, can be approved on is going to make it better for the next generation, the next generation. Um, and for me, like you know, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to train and educate me on specific tasks that they want me to complete. But if they're not willing to spend all this other money that they could on inclusivity, now they've wasted it, in my opinion, because I'm mm-hmm. going to go away. Uh, but if they do take that into account and say, you know, um, well, let's look at this person's faith. Uh, what small things can we do? Let's look at this person's, you know, job ambition, because, uh, in the military majority of your training takes a huge chunk during the summer. Now, if you're a farmer, that's a huge month that you're losing that is going to hurt you. And I've seen different company commanders, and this is very common in Minnesota. Uh, some will say, yeah, just go ahead and do your family thing we'll, we'll work with you on another way. And we'll have you do some online stuff. And there'll be ones that says, I don't care. We all made the sacrifice come. And when it's time for that person to sign up again, are they going to sign up? I, I, if you said no to them, I no, they're going to go away. Or in the other case that they're, you know, they want to be a part of this. They want to continue to do their job because you've shown that you care about them. You're investing them in the long run and it makes life easier for me and i personally want to be that leader when i take my command i want to be the one that says yeah i understand where you're coming from let me work with you because i know what it means for me when they go the extra mile yeah and it's a that's that's so well stated
1: and and i, I think a really important wrinkle there you know when a lot of people are thinking about inclusion they're typically uh, i think Many of them, if not most people, are only thinking about that through a racial lens and and while that is you know while that is very important, you're bringing into the these other aspects of what it means to create a truly inclusive organization where, yes, we're talking about racial inclusion, and yes, we're talking about gender inclusion, but then there's these other aspects about people's identities, their religious identities, or maybe their home life or their work life that it is a it is a culture that you're talking about, not just like a checkbox, like, oh, we have to have this kind of thing that you know one of the things that we point out in the chapter is that um, along those same lines, like diversity isn't the same as inclusion. and y- inclusion as the posture and the culture is so much more uh, important than just having this like checkbox of diversity where i have a I have a friend who works in this field, and she she used to say that these companies adopt like a a we got one stance. like you know they were they would sort of go through and like we got a woman check in leadership, right? <laughs> and, and and on down the line through different identities, but that didn't really create this culture that they were after because of course it doesn't. Um, when, you, when you think about the organizations you've been a part of, you mentioned you mentioned for ROTC like how some of the things they've done. What are some other either people or organizations where you've seen like really help exemplify that culture of, inclu- of inclusivity that you care about so much?
2: Um, I remember one class. Uh, it was um, basically running how to run a mission effectively with uh, multiple minds in a way. And some of it it is not really... Um, it's kind of complex in a way of like it goes into military military, but the main concept was that if you're in a room and you're dealing with an obstacle or a thing that you're trying to, you know, small tweak that you need to make, and then you have all these people that, you know, think like you, you're only having one mind. And I feel like with inclusivity, you're you know reaching out to see as much minds, as much, you know, backgrounds, as much, you know, Uh, different you know know, I don't know I I said this to Martha earlier as far as like you want to have you know more flavor on the table so (laughs) in its own way just kind of like have different minds included in the conversation and I feel like it enriches uh, enriches the whole outcome of everything
1: yeah that's because otherwise you're going to miss some potential solutions that you might otherwise uh, have access to just because people bring different backgrounds and I think that's a that's a it's, that's a really good way of illustrating this notion of like why diversity isn't the issue, but including people who come from different backgrounds and think differently. Um, and sometimes those two things line up sometimes, you know, diversity and inclusion overlap a lot. And sometimes they're not like the, the overlap is, is very little when that, that's a really strong example. I mean, if you were, you know, let's say, let's say you're out on the, a free agent, like you're trying to figure out, you know, what you're going to do and you're maybe thinking like your time in the army is finished or, um, you've got a different you know you're trying to figure out where you want to volunteer or whatever and you want to associate like what what could a leader or an organization do to, to communicate to you that that you would be included in their culture that this is a place where you know all kinds of perspectives are welcome and all kinds of backgrounds are going to be accommodated
2: um, I really look at it from an action perspective if you look at a lot of um, restaurants or any stores they all have the open sign on and you, and majority of people can walk on during those business hours, but the main difference is when you walk in, are you welcomed or are you just a customer? And so I feel like for me, you know, when I put my presence somewhere and they're giving me this ad or you belong here, et cetera, I listen, but I'm only looking for the action that they deliver, not their words. So when I see like their history of how they've done things, um, and, and you know do they have a bad rep, are they constantly having all these different programs that are helping so many people within the community? and as far as their employees, do they give them opportunities for education, uh, things that matter to them as it part of being you know in- included within the government and uh, not government, uh, the company's goal? And when mm-hmm. I see things like that, that speaks volume, and I want to be part of that organization like yesterday. Where in the other case, if it's not, I just want to, you know, buy that cup of coffee and say, I'm never coming back.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. The the sign is on, but, but what is the experience like when you actually get through the door? This is, I, I don't mean to to put you too much on the spot. This is not your job. This is not your responsibility, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about you know, as you think about the leader that you want to be in the future and you're communicating now to a bunch of leaders who would be listening to this podcast, you know, if this hasn't been a part of the history or DNA of a particular organization, is do you have any thoughts about what's maybe something that's the that a, a company or a, or a group or a religious organization could do to start, you know, doing something that might make you say like, oh, they don't have a history of that kind of thing, but I see that they're trying now.
2: Um, I think for me... When I think about um, when I, because for me, I go to a Catholic school, and I'm not Catholic myself, but they really work hard as far as inclusivity and bringing everyone to the conversation. And one of the things I've seen is they invite different faith backgrounds of uh, scholarly leaders within Minnesota uh, to come and have a conversation, while the sc- you know the school itself is predominantly you know has a liberal background they also invite conservative leaderships and other political entities so i think it's okay when a company is willing to be uncomfortable and say you know well we're not used to this and we've always been selling tires forever maybe let's try <laughs> selling some cookies you know so it's yeah. it's i think being uncomfortable is okay trying new things and always having the conversation with your employees and and, and bringing actual like people that are in the same field as you are, who's like actually studying this case of inclusivity and how do we improve um, on a company level and the small things that we can tweak and, you know, and and not expecting everything to work the first time and, you know, constantly trying because it, it's an evolving case, you know, so while it might work for, you know, it's one specific, um, you know, Project. So there's other parts that can have um, obstacles. So just always trying and trying and trying, and saying that this is important to us. We understand that it's important to you, and we're gonna do everything we can um, to work together. And uh, I think the small steps, just like having the conversation, plan of action, reevaluating it, and keep what works and what doesn't work. Um, try something else with it.
1: That's such a, I just love that, that very simple Mm. mantra of trying, trying, trying like that, the, the, I think leaders right now, especially those who are afraid of getting it wrong, can be very sort of paralyzed by not having the perfect plan. And it's, it's, it's so important to hear from you and from other young people that like, you know, perfect plan would be great. Like if you're nailing this, that's best. But even if you can't nail it, if you're at least making an effort in the right direction, you're listening to the to various voices and taking counsel from people that like what I'm hearing you say is like that goes a long way.
2: Yes. And just to add to that, Josh, um, I remember when I had this conversation with Martha earlier and because I think for one of the things that's really structured in America today is the calendar and Mm -hmm. it doesn't really change much um maybe a couple times things get added for world record etc but as far as like you know true change and inclusivity um we had the conversation about you know christmas um while it's not you know official government a lot of companies will kind of give you the day off for those i mean that entire month pretty much now for some examples like dealing with Ramadan. Uh, like a Muslim person, uh, that really makes it kind of hard because you're working and it's not really in the calendar. So we thought of like, if a company is willing to, you know, say, hey, we we really see this and I think we can do much better because it's not, not that it's whether it's fair or not, it's how do we keep our... Um, you know, employees or members included in this uh, and Mm. make them feel welcomed. And so we thought of the idea of like, you know, most companies are electronic. So having, you know, people that don't celebrate Christmas work that time electronically and people that are celebrating Ramadan or Passover uh, during uh, make up for it during Christmas and people that are not, that, that celebrate Christmas have it off and then work as well as they would have during those other holidays. So, and I feel like that would mean a lot to many people. And that's just a faith example. But there's right. other ways of like, you know, switching small things, you know, you're not losing productivity. Predict- and then you're also helping everyone else, um, you know, feel like they don't have to, you know, take on a, a marathon when everyone else is just doing one lap.
1: <laughs> right. And such a good, clear example of the um, of the way that that like... I think sometimes young people can get get unfairly characterized as just wanting to have everything. And the way you're sort of balancing this, like, no, we get that work still needs to be done, but you can get work done, you know, and live into these values as a company or as an organization at the same time. Um, I think that that's, that's a really important thing for us to all keep in mind. Well, I, I really appreciate this. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just absolutely crucial that voices like yours reach across the sort of generational divide that all too often exists, uh, in our country. And so thank you for taking the time with us today. It's, it's been incredibly valuable. I've learned some new things and I'm sure our audience has too.
2: Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure.
0: Visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and purchase our latest book, Meaning Making, Eight Values That Drive America's Newest Generations. Sign up for our newsletter and be the first to learn about our upcoming research, including the 2020 State of Religion and Young People report coming out this fall. Today's show was produced by Marta Abuaji and TJ Bernbaum, with original music by high school student Christian Untank. Special thanks to our guests today and all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Remember to find us on social media at we Are Springtide and share your own story with the hashtag ShowUpForYoungPeople. Thanks for listening.